Snoop. Listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. You just heard right there from Japan a special note regarding the band we played from Japan, from Orno, from Soup Organism, who explained to me, quote, the band you played is pronounced Katsu Terra. It's from a popular Japanese cake called Castella, which was originally brought to Japan by the Portuguese in the 16th century. The album is pronounced Seika no Go Aku, which translates into Amusements of the World. The first song, which we heard, is pronounced Yo Aki, and it translates into The Dawn. Hope you like the album, says Orno from Sue Organism. Thank you so much. It's one of my favorite Japanese bands. The third song, which we will hear, is pronounced Keru Uku Nara and means getting lighter. They were on one of the biggest music shows in Japan, sort of like the Jules Holland show that happens in the UK, so I imagine they must have had some time in the limelight. I don't think they're active nowadays, except for the lead singer. I heard he occasionally does open mic nights, sort of like Jonathan Richmond. Thank you, Orno, from Super Organism. That was Orno explaining to me and you, the listeners, which band we played to begin the set of the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. And the band was Casu Terra. Today on the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show, an interview with Nick from the Pointed Sticks. And they actually are going to be playing on the 9th of March at the Rickshaw Theater, as well a tribute to Peter Tork, Rest in Peace of the Monkeys, an interview I did at the Skagit Valley County Fair with Mark Kleins Kleiner of the band of Sister Lovers in August 2001, just a couple days before 9-11, but we will hear 
Peter Tork in action talking to me, Nardwar, the human serviette, and again, rest in peace to Peter Tork, part of the monkeys, an amazing, an amazing musician. We interviewed him, me and Mark, in his capacity of him playing in a band, Shoe Suede Blues. Yes, you heard that right. Shoe Suede Blues at the Skagit Valley County Fair. Again, Nick from the Point of Sticks and Peter Tork on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Now, continuing on here with some actual music to supplied by Orno of Super Organism, the band is pronounced Casutera. Which means, which is popular Japanese cake. The album is pronounced Seiki no Goraku, which translates into Amusements of the World. And we're going to hear right now Kar Uku Naru, and it means getting lighter on an ardoir, the human serviette radio show.
you wait on the gates of the fence Tend you into diamond till you hear my bottom Think you when I go up and look at mine now Consequences just don't really matter somehow Now you ride on the wisdom With a pension full tide of the season out to you This way sucks Yeah, you ride on the wisdom Sucking the undertone in the shots I'm throwing up This way sucks You're still listening, I hope, to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. You just heard right there, 
Ookum Sure with Happy 65. Urkum, 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 Urkum Sure. Urkum Sure with Happy 65 from Toronto, Ontario from the album Grease Pop. And thank you for sending it to me. Urkum Sure. And before that, we heard some brand new tubaloids with This Wave Sucks. An amazing record, for one, because it is a flexi-disc. It comes with the Tubaloids actual comic book. Inside the comic book, there is a flexi-disc record which you can play. And even just to prove I played a flexi-disc, you could hear a tiny skip when I played that song. This Wave Sucks by the Tubaloids, who are actually going to be having a rec release party for that actual comic book. Yes, it is an actual comic book that they put out with a flexi-disc. And you can check out the stuff I'm playing by checking out my Twitter, at Nardwar, N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R, and I tweeted out a picture, a twit pic, of the comic book. And inside the comic book is This Wave Sucks, a two-song flexi-disc. The other song is Police Truck, a cover of The Dead Kennedys. So thank you, Tubaloids, and check them out at the S Smiling Blue... Bu- I, I'm afraid to say the actual name, but the SBC, the Smiling Buddha Cafe Restaurant in Vancouver on March the 1st. Right now, we are going to play on. We began with a little suggestion from Orno from Superorganism. We played the band Casu Terra and their song Getting Lighter. Thank you, Orno, again for that song. Right now, I'm going to play something by Sweet Daddy Ski. He was a Canadian wrestler and still is a Canadian wrestler and can be found doing karaoke hosting karaoke in Toronto, but he put out a couple of amazing records, and we're going to actually hear, he is a professional wrestler and also a musician, a cowboy musician. We're going to hear from his record that I have here, Sweet Daddy Ski, Siki. I call him Ski, but it's actually Sweet Daddy Siki, S-I-K-I. Um, I'm sorry if he's a wrestler and he may want to beat me for saying his name wrong. I'm sure he's beat many people for saying his name wrong. But anyways, we're going to hear the track Railway Train. And that's actually the one original on this entire record. So I assume it's by A. Sicky that he actually wrote this song. A-S-I-K-I. A. Sicky. So we're going to hear Sweet Daddy Sicky with the song Railway Train. Train and right after that, I'm gonna play a record by the Gremlins. Yes, a Gremlin story. And again, check out the Nardwar Twitter if you want to see pictures of these records. And in an interview with Nick from the Pointed Sticks, and then a profile of Rest in Peace Peter Tork, who passed away this week. So here we go, sweet. Daddy Sicky on the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. A radio show. You know what? I, oh, I know what I mean. Yes, I know the problem. Okay, you know what the problem is? 
that is a problem. I'm not going to tell you what the problem is. Well, actually, I panned it over and I shouldn't have, but I kind of panned it to the Gremlins record. So I think subconsciously you want to hear the Gremlins record first. So this is the Gremlins record, an actual story by the Gremlins, and then Railway Train by Sweet Daddy Sicky on an Ardwar the Human Serviette radio show. This is the story of Gremlins Trapped. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Let's begin now. When Billy Peltzer received a cuddly pet mogwai named Gizmo for a gift, it had seemed like a dream. But through a series of mishaps, the dream had soon transformed itself into a nightmare. Hundreds of evil gremlins had been created, and under the leadership of Stripe, they had swarmed through Kingston Falls, causing mischief, breaking things, and in short, tearing the town apart. The wicked creatures had even managed to hold Billy's girlfriend, Kate, captive in the local tavern. They had trapped her so she could get them food and drink. Then they screeched and threw things at her when she didn't move fast enough. But Billy had parked his car outside the tavern and flooded the place with glare from his headlights. The gremlins' sensitive eyes couldn't take it, and they fell back, letting Kate and Billy escape. The two friends headed down Main Street looking for a place to hide. All around them were examples of the gremlins' destruction. Broken windows, scattered Christmas decorations, even an overturned car. Billy shook his head. This is awful. Let's find a building and get out of the open. I crunched across the snowy street looking for an empty store to hide in. They entered the bank where both of them worked. Kate gasped. Look at it, Billy. It's a wreck. Desks overturned, papers everywhere. What's going on, Billy? Who are those creatures? They're gremlins, Kate. Nasty, rotten gremlins. But where did they come from? Billy pointed to Gizmo in his backpack. From this cute little guy. Can you believe it? I accidentally got him wet, and the next thing I knew, there were five more of him. Then those five tricked me into feeding them after midnight. That's when they turned into gremlins. Then their leader, Stripe, jumped in his swimming pool and bang, we've got a town full of them. Then we've got to do something, Billy. We've got to get rid of them. Well, I'm not quite sure how, but we'll think of a way. Come on. Kate and Billy cautiously stepped outside. There were no gremlins to be seen. The two headed back down the street warily looking for signs of the evil creatures. Billy, the town was packed with gremlins a while ago. Now we can't find a single one. Where did they go? I don't know, Kate. Gizmo popped out of the backpack and sniffed the wind. Then he squeaked and pointed toward the local movie theater. Billy's eyes lit up. Of course. They're all in there. It's almost morning and the daylight can kill them. Kate nodded. So what better place to hide from the sun than in a big, dark movie theater? Billy patted the mogwai fondly. Good work, Gizmo. Slowly, the group approached the building. Billy glanced at the torn posters and the smashed ticket booth. Yep, they're here, all right. Come on. Huh? You mean we're going in there with them? 
You got it. Billy carefully entered the empty theater lobby. Look at this place, Kate. It looks like a riot just took place. All the candy and popcorn have been taken, and there are cups and wrappers everywhere. Wait, Billy, listen. From inside the theater came loud screeching. Kate and Billy peered through the small window in the theater door. There they are, hundreds of them. Yeah, they've got a movie showing, and they're carrying on like spoiled kids. Billy was right. The gremlins were running up and down the aisles, yelling, singing to the music, dumping popcorn on each other and flinging empty candy boxes. They're all in here, Kate. Now's our chance to get rid of them. You used to work here. Where's the boiler room? At the back of the theater. Why? What are you planning? Billy punched his hand. We're going to destroy the theater.
Did I hit the wrong button? We were enjoying some pointed stakes with On Fire, and then I hit a button, and it skipped into the pointed stakes doing new ways. Now, just to punish myself and enlighten you, the listener, the first callers to 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR, win free tickets to go see 
the Pointed Sticks next, actually in two weeks, on March 9th at the Rickshaw Theater. Again, it's, your name will be at the door. The Pointed Sticks at the Rickshaw Theater. Free tickets for me hitting the wrong buttons here and there. 604-822-2487. 604-UBC-CITR. And while I kind of mess with getting the right buttons, I'm going to right now put you back to your side B of the Gremlins record. So here is side B of the Gremlins. Gizmo headed for the back door. The ringleader, Stripe, stepped into the lobby. He wanted some more food. The hungry gremlins searched the candy counter in frustration, but there wasn't a crumb to be found. Suddenly, something caught his eye. In the department store window across the street was a large display counter loaded with candy. In a flash, the greedy gremlin was out of the theater and into the store. Meanwhile, Kate led Billy behind the movie screen to the theater boiler room. The building's furnace is in here. Billy found the fuel line and turned it on. If I can fill the place with gas, we can cause an explosion. Gas hissed quickly into the room. Even Gizmo had to cover his mouth to keep from breathing the fumes. Billy backed out of the room, shutting an old rag in the door. I'll use this as a fuse to ignite the gas. That'll give us time to get out of here. Billy lit the rag. Head for the exit, Kate. Fast! At that very moment, the movie projector ran out of film. The gremlins were annoyed when the picture went off. But the next moment, they howled in rage when they saw Billy and Kate's silhouettes moving across the blank screen. Kate froze. Oh, no! They can see us from the other side! Like a hundred banshees, the gremlins raced up onto the theater stage. They tore right through the movie screen with their sharp claws. Billy grabbed Kate's hand. We've got to get out of here! The theater's about to explode! As Kate pushed open the back door leading to the alley, a gremlin leaped at Billy's leg. With a kick, he shook the creature off and dove for the exit. Billy struggled to close the exit door, pushing against the combined strength of the gremlin horde. With a final shove, the door clicked shut. Quick, Kate, we've got them trapped. Pull the door while I find a board or something. Kate leaned against the exit as the gremlins pounded from within. Billy grabbed up a two-by-four and wedged it against the alley door. We've done it! Now run! As the gremlins howled and screeched inside, Billy and Kate raced across the street. Duck behind this parked car, Kate. The theater's gonna blow! A deafening blast shook the area as the theater exploded. Kate looked up to see the building engulfed in flames. We did it, Billy. We destroyed every last one of them. Billy stood in triumph as he watched the theater burn. Now the town is safe. All the gremlins are gone. Then something down the block caught Gizmo's eye. He tugged frantically at Billy's jacket. 
Billy turned. What is it, Giz? Something wrong? Oh, no, it's Stripe. He's still alive. Kate's smile faded. He must have left the theater while we were backstage. Then it looks like our fight isn't over yet. We've got to go after him, Kate. He's the last gremlin. That was the end of book four of Gremlins. But the fight's not over yet, and Stripe's far from defeated. Discover the exciting, action-packed conclusion in book five, The Last Gremlin. And you're listening to Nanardwar, the human serviette radio show. You just heard right there some gremlins, a double shot of the gremlins. And in between the gremlins, you heard a bit of sweet daddy sicky. Now, you also heard me turning up because some DJ had turned down and I turned it up. So eventually I found the wrong adjustment and I turned it up. So sorry for screwing that up. However, I've screwed up quite a bit to your Det- um, actually, not to my detriment, but to your enjoyment, to your luck, because we were able to give away two tickets to go see The Pointed Sticks next, well, actually in two weeks, at the Rickshaw Theater. So if you phoned in and won, hooray, your name will be at the door at the Rickshaw Theater to see The Pointed Sticks, who are playing in two weeks, in two weeks, a March 9th, I think it's March, yeah, March 9th at the Rickshaw Theater to kick off their European tour. Well, this is the send-off for their European tour, their first ever European tour, and hopefully Nick from the Point of Sticks should be phoning in to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. And also, yeah, for Sweet Daddy Siki, I played Railway Train. I should mention there is an actual documentary out. You can actually watch it on YouTube, at least a trailer about Sweet Daddy Siki, the wrestler slash musician from Canada. So I may have turned up wrong, but it doesn't matter because it reminded me to <laughs> tell you to check out the documentary. So right now, we're going to actually play an encounter I had with Peter Tork in 2001 and this was just a couple days before 9-11 it was at the Skagit Valley County Fair you can hear my full introduction coming up but Peter Tork passed away this week and this goes out to Peter Tork of the Monkees thank you Peter you were the best and you're listening to CITR Radio FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show today, happening right now after some judging there. Now, coming up right now, as I said the word now, is an interview with Mickey Dolenz's friend. And who might that be? Oh, not Mike Nexsmith, not Davy Jones, but Peter, Peter Tork. Peter Tork of the Monkees. Coming up here is an interview I did a little while back in the summertime with Peter Tork of the rock and roll band The Monkees. Now, Peter Tork was performing at the Skagit Valley County Fair in Mount Vernon, Washington with his new band, Shoe Suede Blues. At this time, he had not been kicked out of the Monkees. He was still in the Monkees and as well was in this blues band that he has called Shoe Suede Blues. So me and Mark Klein's Klein.
Kleiner from Jungle and the Sister Lovers and uh, Mark Klein's Kleiner solo project fame drove all the way down to Mount Vernon, Washington to the Skagit Valley County Fair to do an interview with Peter Tork. Now, why would somebody want to speak to Peter Tork? Well, I have one reason for you. Mark Klein's Kleiner had the actual shirt that Peter Tork wore in the movie Head. He acquired it in 1986 at a monkey's convention for about 150 bucks. So Mark said, hey, Ardwar, why don't we drive down to the Skagit Valley County Fair? Why don't you wear Peter Tork's shirt from the movie Head and see how long it takes for him to notice that you're wearing his shirt. So we proceeded down in the heat of the summer, stopped a bit for some Taco Bell. Hello, Julian Markov. <laughs> Descent. We didn't smuggle any cucumbers over the border, though. And we headed up to the Skagit Valley County Fair. So again, hopefully that sets the scene here. The Skagit Valley County Fair in Mount Vernon, Washington, where Peter Tork's band, Shoe Suede Blues, is playing. And we did an interview here with Peter Tork and also a guy called Tad. He calls himself George Harrison, but his name is Tad, and he also plays in Shoe Suede Blues. So, without further ado, here right now is Peter Tork at the Skagit Valley County Fair in his band, Shoe Suede Blues. Will he notice that I am wearing his shirt from the movie Head? His actual shirt. Like, if you go down to the video store and you rent the movie Head, you will see this orange shirt that Peter Tork wears. That's the shirt that I was wearing. And Mark Klein's Kleiner props to you and props to your dad. Hope he gets better. Lent this to me for the interview. And he was doing um, the tape recording of it all. Thanks so much. And Peter, 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 Peter Tork! Who are you? Are we recording? Is this it? Yes. <laughs> Is the, is the vo microphone on? Okay, I'm Tad Gallerin. George Harrison. And you're Peter Tork. No, you are Peter Tork. Do oh. you know? Are you who you think you are? Peter Tork. Peter Tork with Tad. I swear to God, a woman came up to me the other day and handed me a piece of paper and pencil and said, if you're who you think you are. I thought she took off her top, too. Oh, it's one of those kind of shows. If I'm not going to get to tell my story, then, then we run. We don't walk, we run. Okay, let's start this voyage then. Onward and upward. Run, 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 run. Okay, so first off, who are you again? I'm Tad Gallerin. Tad, it's a long way, isn't it, from the Chicago Tribune to the Skagit Valley County Fair, isn't it? Well, yes, but why not? They have an outlet here, don't they? Do you have business here? Yes, I'm, I'm the representative for the Chicago Tribune right here in Skagit Valley. So if you employers... Need to run some help wanted ads. Boy, we've got a newspaper for you. Now, please explain to us. Shoe Suede Blues, Peter Tork. Please explain. Who are you and what is Shoe Suede Blues? Shoe Suede Blues. Are we recording? Is this microphone working? Is this on? <laughs> is this on? Um, shoe Suede Blues. Okay. Well, it's actually a variation on uh, O Canada. Where were you from? Vancouver, BC, Canada. A little, a little Canada, Canada plug. Oh, Canada! Now, Tad of the band Shoe Suede Blues, yeah. you were the nude guy, the nude guy in hair, weren't you? One of many. Absolutely. But you could recognize me because of uh, unusual features in, a, unusual features in, in quiet places. Uh, I was uh, the tallest one. Now, speaking of nudity and such, Peter, I was talking to an old friend of yours, Cynthia Plastercaster. Do you remember her? I remember a plaster caster or two, but I don't know that I remember Cynthia by name. 
This right here is a picture of Cynthia Plaster Caster. Well, that's not me. She's holding a plaster caster oven in her hand there, I don't think, although it's about my size. Now, do you remember the plaster casters at all, Tad? Well, I remember having read about them, but by the time they arrived on the scene, I, uh, I was, uh, what was I doing? I think I was, uh, no, I... You were, I, you were, you were impotent. You were impotent. I'm still, I'm still a pop star in waiting, so, so by the time I become a pop star, uh, Cynthia will probably have passed on. But Peter Tork of the rock and roll band Shoe Suede Blues, of also of the rock and roll band... Uh, 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 blues band Shoe Suede Blues. The Shoe Suede Blues. The blues band Shoe Suede Blues. Peter Tork of the rock and roll band The Monkees and Shoe Suede Blues. Cynthia Plastercaster also told me you had the habit of walking around hotel rooms naked playing the piano. How can you walk around playing the piano? Walk around naked playing the piano, Peter Tork. How can you walk around playing the piano whether you're clothed or not? Well, you were naked in front of Cynthia Plastercaster, weren't you there, Peter Tork? Well, you know what they say about the 60s. If you remember them, they weren't really, you weren't really there. Well, Cynthia Plastercaster remembered Peter Tork, and she said to tell me, to tell you, you could say to Peter, he's one of the greatest who escaped my mold, and I always kick myself. A retry on Peter, anytime, any place. Just say the word, Peter, and I'm there, spatula in hand. Cynthia, Whoa. I'm waiting. So, shoe suede blues, do you think you're going to get... <laughs> uh, what? She's ready to do it. She is still doing it. There's a new movie out all about her called A Cockumentary. And Peter, there was all the discussion that you would have been the largest had you been cast. Did you know that legend? You would have been the largest had you been cast. Actually, I did not know that. It would have been interesting to, know, to find out. Uh, I would be very surprised if I were. I've heard stories. What stories have you heard? I'm not telling. Come on, what have you told Tad? What have you told Tad? What has Tad been told? Well, he doesn't need to tell me anything. Uh, we, we uh, just today, we're in the Greyhound bus terminal, side by side at the urinal, and every once in a while, you sneak a little peek to one side or the other, and you know what happens? Yeah, I shattered the thing, is it? No, I, I took 50 cents out of my pocket and bought some peanut M&Ms. What do you want? Shoe suede blues. Will there be a chance that shoe suede blues will get caught? What? <laughs> what? Peter Tork of the rock and roll band Shoe Suede Blues. No, no, no. Blues band Shoe Suede Blues. Part, you want to rock and roll? But well, a, a pop rock band, The Monkees. The ba blues suede. <laughs> First time in six months I've done that. Shoe Suede Blues is a blues band. And don't forget. You guys have a song called No More Cherry Pie. No More Cherry Pie by the blues band Shoe Suede Blues. Now, Peter, what were you doing at that restaurant called Gelson's? Gelson's in, in Marina del Rey. What about Gelson's in Marina del Rey? You were buying a whole bunch of chocolate there. You were spotted buying a whole lot of chocolate. What spies, what spies were watching me? What were you doing? What type of chocolate were you buying? Scharfenberger, the best American chocolate made. How much were you buying? It was quite a bit. Well, I eat, um, I eat about uh, a half a bar a day, maybe a little bit more, so I wanted to make sure I had enough for this trip that we're doing here. Peter, what's your favorite item from Nichols Coffee Shop? Nichols? You guys, you have spies I haven't believed, can't believe the spies you've got. My favorite item is their trout breakfast, trout and eggs breakfast. That's right, trout and eggs. Now, Shoe Suede Blues leader Tad, is it Shoe Suede Blues leader Tad? Um, no, I don't think we have a leader, but we have a, uh, uh, we have a, a covey of followers. 
You guys have a song called Cab Driver. Tad wrote it. I wrote Cab Driver with in, in uh, concert with Richard Michaels, our lead guitarist. Now, speaking of professions, Peter, at one time... Where are we speaking of professions? At one time, you were a singing waiter. I know you're a waiter, but a singing waiter. Please, can you elaborate a little bit about that? I, uh, I waited on singers. No, I, I sang... I waited to sing. No, wait a minute, I'll get it, I'll get it, hold on. I was a singing waiter at the Great American Food and Beverage Company sometime in the 70s, yeah. And people just came up to you and gave you tips in a G-string and you sung? No, not a G-string, of oh, goodness sake, we were waiters. We waited on tables. We had, you know, aprons and uniforms, the whole thing. That's all, it was just, you know. It takes a guitar to have a G-string. Peter, in 1969, did you once buy a soup kitchen? Did you once buy a soup kitchen in New York City? According to Monkey's Monthly, you did. Nope. Nope. Never bought a soup kitchen. Now, Peter doesn't like tomatoes, does he, Tad? You know, I couldn't tell you that. Do you like to... Oh, Peter, you're motioning me? I like tomatoes fine. I just don't eat them. Why don't you eat them? What's wrong with them? Echinacea. No, sorry, solanacea. They are, they are in the... Um, uh, they are in the nightshade family and inclined to exacerbate any tendency towards arthritis, and so I avoid them on that account. Now, Tad, would you ever do a commercial for McDonald's? Um, why, uh, I, I would uh, certainly take it under consideration if I got an offer. I'm in the advertising business. Now, Peter, you refused to do a commercial for McDonald's in 1975, didn't you? I guess no. In 1975, I didn't. I never refused. Well, I don't... God. The monkeys were supposed to do a commercial for McDonald's, but you refused. I wasn't in the monkeys in 1975. But I thought you didn't agree to do a commercial for McDonald's. And Tad wants to do a commercial for McDonald's right now. As a member of the monkeys, I wasn't a member of the monkeys in 19... I didn't refuse to do a commercial as a member of the monkeys in 1975 because I wasn't a member of the monkeys in 1975. Get it through your head! Thank you, Peter Tork. Okay, well, let's move on to this. You did do a pizza commercial in 1995, though, right? Well, it was a chance to work with Ringo. And that's what I find very interesting. Pizza has tomatoes on it. Peter! You're right. Do you think this is hypocrisy? I think it's crazy. I don't think it makes any damn difference at all. I think you're going completely off your tree. Just because I don't happen to eat tomatoes doesn't mean I have a moral crusade against them. I don't care if anybody eats tomatoes or not. I got a chance to do a commercial with Ringo Starr. I went for it. What's the big deal? They made me nice. I laughed at his jokes. Oh, yeah, that was so good. <laughs> what happened there? Can you explain a bit about that? Because I was shot in Vancouver, B.C., Canada, my hometown. Yes, because Ringo is a tax exile and can't spend any more than a certain number of days in the United States. So he does all his rehearsing and like that in Canada. We were standing at the, at the, um, uh, on, the on the dais the drum uh, counter. Oh, Peter, let's just uh, mark zero in on this. Look what we got here. I got three of them. What do you have? What do you have here? I've got monkeys 45s from when I was a kid. And look, is this your first time meeting Peter Tork? It is. This is totally. This is one of the. Peter, would you like to greet your fan? You didn't even ask for the name. Peter. What's <laughs> You signed autograph. You, you didn't ask for her name. But give me some tips on signing an autograph. I don't even know your name. Oh, it's actually Nardward, a human serviette. Peter! Okay. That's how you do it. Peter Tork in action here at the Skagit Valley County Fair in Skagit Valley, Mount Vernon, Washington. You on Regis and Kelly. Thank you. Day. Thanks very much. Thanks a lot. <laughs> that was awesome. Is that is that Peter at his finest, Tad? Uh, well. <laughs> oh no. 
I get I'll much finer than that. I'll never tell. Now, Peter, speaking about Canada, did your parents live in Regina, Saskatchewan at one time during the height of the monkeys? Yes, they did. On Regina? Yes, you can. Regina, Saskatchewan. Moose Jaw. That's interesting. A Canadian connection to the monkeys. Yes, yes. They, my father was working at the, uh, I forget exactly what school he was. He was a teacher and taught uh, at a school in Regina. And uh, I was there for Christmas one year, bringing up a little color TV and just, uh, yeah, right at the height of the monkeys. And kids used to, like, steal the mailbox to get a piece of you. My parents tell me that they tore up their lawn during the, uh, during the peak of the monkeys. The band Shoe Suede Blues, the blues band Shoe Suede Blues has the song Route 66, or covers the song Route 66. Yes, yes we do. Now, speaking of touring and such... Is that a question? Speaking of touring and such, in 1968, when you headed over to Australia, Peter, Naked Lunch was confiscated at the border. Oh God, I'll be damned, you actually know that. That is amazing. I had Naked Lunch in my, in my carry-on bag, William Burst Burroughs, and it turns out to be a banned book in Australia. They say, what's this? He can have it back when he leaves the country. We're not letting him have it here. Okay. Now, also on that tour of Australia, you monkeys said you respected the Beatles up until they did Revolution. Uh, I don't know what, I don't remember saying that. It was at a press conference. I don't remember saying that. You as the monkeys agreed. What do you think about that? You respect because that revolution, they're not going to change the world. You know what I mean? I thought anybody who said, if you're carrying pictures of Chairman Mao, you ain't going to make it with anyone anyhow, was way too snide, way snarly, way under, way, way low rent. Um, um, but I mean, it's only a small blot on John Lennon's otherwise magnificent reputation. Peter Tork, were you actually offered the role of John Lennon in a Norwegian production of Beatlemania? Uh, it was, we, we talked about it. It never actually, it was a, a, a genuine offer never came through. There's also one other little point here, Tad. It involves drugs, actually. Did you introduce the drug STP to John Lennon? Into his mouth directly. What was that like? Well, I don't know. He survived it, so what can I tell you? What color was it? I don't remember. I think it was a pinkish thing. Oh, uh, yeah. I remember the orange ones. Yeah, kind of orange. Yeah, I guess yeah. It was, that was be the same one. Peter, are you still into Buddhism? Yeah. What is important about Buddhism, Peter, and what would lead Buddhism to make you to punch Davy Jones in the eye and give him a black eye? Are you talking about that MT, that, that VH1, that VH1 show thing? Apparently, Buddhism and Peter Tork don't mix when it comes to Davy Jones. Please explain. Well, I, wait a minute. A couple of things. Uh, for one thing, uh, I don't know that you could actually say I was as much into Buddhism back then as I am now. And he hit me first. And I went into a blind rage. What can I tell you? Have you ever punched any members of Shoe Suede Blues at all? Has Peter punched you at all, Tat? No, he has not punched me yet. Not, not physically. No. Cut. Nip. Take, take two. I got to shake the hand of the guy that was sang as good as the Beatles Thank you, years ago. I mean, you enlightened a whole generation. I tell you, you really did. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. We are at the Skagit Valley County Fair here. Peter, you're getting ahead of yourself. We're here at the Skagit Valley County Fair. Now, if the Monkees were the original boy band, Shoe Suede Blues is the original... Uh, Shoe Suede Blues band. Well, that's silly. This is, cut that one. You're not going to use that one because there's no use to it. Well, you, but you did do some recording at Lou Pearlman's place. What are we, the original... Lou Pearlman. Even White Boys Get the Blues Band. The original Even White Boys Get the Blues Band? Did you record with Lou Pearlman, the boy-boy impresario? 
the boy band Impresario. Yes, I did a little recording on a uh, on some stuff that uh, some producers of his and some of us monkeys were doing in uh, Orlando at the time. Peter Tork of the blues band Shoe Suede Blues and Tad of the band Blue Suede Shoes, Shoe Suede Blues, Blues Band. That's a lot of words to say, isn't it? Tad Galloran. Tad Galloran, but your first name is spelled very interestingly, isn't it? T-A-D-G. Peter Tork, you once bought David Crosby a boat. A boat? You bought David Crosby a boat, Peter Tork. I loaned him the money for a boat. So the question begs, shoe suede blues, when's Peter going to buy you a boat, Tad? Well, Peter, uh, uh, you have a, we have a dinghy, but, it, but he plays drums. Right. Baboom! <laughs> that was good. Boy, he interviews so well. More practice, I guess. Peter Tork, were you a scab in head? No, I was the only, uh, well, no. I mean, depending. You think Mike Nesmith was, was a union uh, organizer? I don't think so. I actually went on the stage. Mike, Mickey, and Davey thought they were doing a job action, and I went on stage without them. But it was because uh, they didn't uh, include me in their union, so. Which, which union was that? The Mike Nesmith union for Mike Nesmith's benefit of Mike Nesmith. Oh. Baboom! Baboom! So winding up here with Peter Tork and Tad of Shoe Suede Blue. Winding up? We're done. We're almost done. My God. When do we go get our Red Bulls? That's all I want to know. That's right. We're, we're not really anywhere near there, are we? But I was wondering, you guys have a song called Dress Sexy For Me. You have a song, right, Tad? Yes, we do. We, now, we, wrote, we wrote that, and I wrote that. Do you have any questions for me? Would you like me to dress sexy for you? In fact, I have been dressing we, sexy we for like you. everyone to dress sexy for us. We're, uh, we're hoping that we can influence the youth of North America, as well as South America, Europe, and all the continents of the world to dress sexy as often as possible. Peter Tork and Tad of Shoe Suede Blues, you guys have a song called Dress Sexy For Me. Yeah, now, do. what do you think about the way I'm dressed? We'd like you to take our advice. Not sexy. What do you think, though? I dress specially for you, Peter Tork, specially. Especially what? Haven't you noticed anything about the way I've been dressing here, Peter Tork? Yes, your tartans don't match. No, look at, look, here is Head, the movie Head. What shirt are you wearing in the movie Head? Hold that. I'm not wearing any damn tartan, I'll tell you that. I am wearing right now the shirt that you wore in the movie Head. There it is. See that? That, that is the actual very shirt. See, check that right there. You check that tad. Speak. PT. I'm, so come on, it, it takes you an entire interview, and yuck, you don't even figure it out there, Peter Tork. I'm wearing your shirt. I'm wearing your shirt. You know, you know. And they're only the side, and I'm wearing his dentures. Baboom. <laughs> so do you know where your clothes has gone? Did you know it end up on me? How am I doing? You're sweating into it. I know it's kind of hard, but I'm doing it for the love, for the love of Shoe Suede Blues at the Skagit Valley County Fair. All I care about is that the tartan on his hat does not match the tartan on his pants, and this is a sartorial no-no. The fashion police. The movie hat. I'm wearing a piece of your clothing that was cool enough for you, Peter Tork, and I'm getting dissed because of the tartan. Well, thank you very much there, Peter Tork and Tad. Really appreciate this. Anytime uh, you can buy our albums on those of you Canadian citizens that can't really get through in any other way on the internet, you can reach our products at, and don't forget this, 
teenyweeniestore.com. Teenyweeniestore.com. That's 1-800-teenyweeniestore.com. So anything else you'd like to add to the people out there? Peter Tork and Tad from Shoe Suede Blues. Yeah, I, whenever asked, I always say, be a hero to yourself. You can also get our product at blackdrawers.com. Blackdrawers.com. Well, from the Skagit Valley County Fair, it's Nardware to Human Serviette signing off saying, doot-doot-a-loot-doo. Peter Torque, doot-doot-a-loot-doo. Six bits. No, uh, <clears throat> let's try that again. Tunes, go for it. I'm not a tune. Uh, Peter, doot-doot-a-loot-doo. Thank you very much, Peter Torque and Tad from Shoe Suede Blues. Are you following me? Are you chasing hey, after hey, me? The hey. dolly is backing hey, up. Hey, listen, I told you, I told you to leave us alone. How many times I got to talk to you like this? I'm sorry, well, do, do. Leave us alone, pal. Please. Listen, we got a private life, all right? Please. You know, some things are public, Please. some things are private, but you know what? Sometimes you just got to leave a fellow alone, oh. you know, because... What about Tutu-Lutu? <laughs> what about Tutu-Lutu? <laughs> It's a little bit you, it's a little bit me.
and you're still listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard Rest in Peace, Peter Tork and his band Shoe Suede Blues from August 2001 doing Some Monkeys. And before that, an interview with Rest in Peace, Peter Tork, who died this week. To end the Nardboard to Human Serviette radio show, I thought I would play something by Reverend Beatman. And then follow it up by something you may have missed or you may have actually heard. But this is actually from February 9th, 1971. And it's San Francisco's longest day. Day. Uh, sorry. San Fernando Valley's longest day. How dare I get the two mixed up? This is actually a recording of a terrible earthquake that happened on February 9th. 1971, and a reaction from the community, and it was all recorded by a radio station, C, sorry, K-G-I-L. C, all the Canadian radio stations begin with C. All the American radio stations on the West Coast begin with K. All the American radio stations on the East Coast begin with W. So this is K-G-I-L Radio, February 9th, 1971. 71, San Fernando Valley, the longest day, and a terrible earthquake actually happened that day. So I thought I would play the recording, but the recording lives on. But here, right now, is the Reverend Beatman on CITR Radio. Oh!
Slate 4 has uh, survived the blackout, the temporary power failure we had. Uh, yes, Howard. Earlier today, we did notice that throughout the city of San Fernando, especially along the beautiful mall area, uh, there has been considerable damage to many of the stores. Some of the walls have caved in. Many have lost large plate glass windows. And some of these older buildings in the San Fernando area have uh, had uh, structural damage along the tops, where the tops and the roofs have uh, broken off and fallen down into the sidewalks. So it is uh, definitely not a happy situation in the San Fernando Mall area. Uh, there are many, many uh, San Fernando and LAPD police officers in this area. Of course, they're guarding against potential looters, or there have been looters reported throughout the damaged areas. Uh, of course, KGIR listeners themselves are not looters, but if we have listeners, uh, people tuned to us now who, who might have that in the back of their minds. As we've said before and we'll say again, it's not a good idea. Not only is it no way to behave in the, the midst of a tragedy, but that color TV or that uh, large couch or refrigerator that you might try to get away with uh, could just end up costing you a bullet. And that's a pretty high price to pay. Bill Smith in the city of San Fernando, Mobile 84 Clear. As a young man in the studio, uh, who has a problem. It seems that his parents took off from the evacuation area and uh, he's here and there somewhere else. What's your name, son? Dennis Graham. Dennis Graham. And where do you live? 9758 Monogram. In what city, what community is that? Sepulveda. Sepulveda. And where do you think your parents might be now? In Simi Valley. On their way or there now, would you there say? There now. Well, if they're listening, or if anyone knows where they are, you can say that Dennis is safe and sound here at KGIL, and uh, you can pick him up here. That's Dennis Graham. His parents are in Simi Valley. They took off, and he's here. Dennis, you hang tight. Everything will be all right, okay? It's 74 degrees in KGIL News. Let's go right to the skies and find out what's going on from a bird's eye view or the colonel's eye view. It's Bruce Payne flying KGIL's Valley Skywatch. Uh, for the most part, we have no problems on the freeways. Uh, most traffic is lighter than normal, except on the San Diego freeway. That's heavier than usual from Mulholland down to the Ventura freeway because of the closure of the San Diego freeway northbound all the way up to Newhall Pass. Dick Spangler in Mobile 8-3. Dick? Howard, I'm at the Odyssey restaurant overlooking the Van Norman Lakes. This is where the earthen dam is still steeped and seeped with mud, although the situation seems to be static. It remains stable at the moment. I'm talking to Inspector Dan Jelly of the Los Angeles City Fire Department. Are there any serious problems in the San Fernando Valley tonight? I understand you have many water and power breakdowns around the area. This is correct. Uh, a lot of the area will be without power, it'll be without water, uh, and it'll also be without gas. Other things went on around the world as uh, Southern California struggled through the results of a severe earthquake. The Apollo 14 astronaut splashed down on target in the South Pacific this afternoon, ending man's boldest and most scientifically rewarding moon mission. And we've just been informed that Bill Smith in Mobile 84 is out there again, ready for another report. What's going on, Bill? Uh, Howard, the power failure which put KGIL off the air for a while is still in effect in the San Fernando and Silmar area. Uh, and of course what that means uh, primarily to our listeners uh, who are driving is that the traffic signals in this area are out. So if you're in the San Fernando or Silmar area, be very careful. Now, I notice that there are LAPD officers uh, attempting to direct traffic at most of these major intersections uh, where the traffic signals are out. However, this is one of those times when the uh, dark blue uniforms of the police officers are a bit of a problem. They're very hard to see. The officers have flashlights, so we urge people driving in San Fernando and Silmar to be very careful as they enter such areas as the major intersections which have no lights. Uh, watch out for the police officers. They have flashlights. They're standing in the middle, but those dark uniforms are hard to see, so be very careful. Dick Spangler is out there in the field in Mobile 8-3, ready with another report. Dick? 
Thank you very much, Howard. I'm talking to Division Commander Bob Radke, and he's about ready to call it a day after a long, hard day with the Los Angeles City Fire Department. Bob, what kind of a day has it been for you? Well, it's been a rough day for all of us. Uh, we're still in a standby status. We're still watching the face and back of this dam uh, carefully. We are going to stand by all night long. We will have a helicopter unit with lights on the scene. We have our command post in operation. As the day has worn on, the situation has looked better and better. Uh, I cannot speak for the power department or the water department, but from a fire standpoint, it looks real good at this time. A spokesman for the Los Angeles City School District says all classes tomorrow have been canceled. And repeating the word that we have been giving out this afternoon, San Fernando Valley State College will be closed to students and the public for one week. If I may put my heart out on my sleeve for about 30 seconds, and then we'll get back to these announcements. I was standing out in the backyard of some friends of mine in Huntington Park, and I just looked skyward and said thank you, because I'm still here, <clears throat> and get a chance to continue this wonderful life. But I felt so insignificantly small and thought of those three guys coming back from the moon and how looking at the globe from, what, 100,000 miles out, the moon a quarter of a million miles away, this beautiful round blob sits here. And here in one little corner, we had this shakeup, and here are nine million people who all got awakened at the same instant this morning, I'm sure. Just, uh, you feel kind of small. Bill, come in, please. Uh, thank you, Tom. A few moments ago, I had a chat with one of the uh, sheriff's information officers up here at the San Fernando Hospital. We filled you in on some, some details, and I've now had time to walk around this scene and get a good eye view of it, and uh, I'd like to tell you a bit about it now. It's a, really a tremendously tragic scene here. I've walked among the wreckage and the rubble. It, it looks almost as if it's a bombed-out uh, German village from uh, World War II. There's no power here, so these big floodlights uh, from a, a California emergency organization are uh, giving the firemen and the sheriff's people light by which they can continue their rescue efforts. Uh, they're using jackhammers to cut their way through the roofs and walls which have fallen down onto these hospital wards. And it's a very slow process. It looks like it will take at least all night. It may take even uh, much of tomorrow. Seems to be almost an insurmountable task. So far, 14 people have been dead. And uh, I can't help but think, as I look at it, uh, that most of the 50 who are still inside probably did not survive. Uh, these were three-story buildings. They collapsed all the way to the ground. The walls on the outsides fell inward toward the center of the building. So every ounce of the building fell inside on those people. A very tragic scene, and I don't imagine that the 50 people inside, too many of those will come out alive. Of course, we hope they all do, but it uh, almost seems as if we're asking too much. Uh, these numbers, uh, 50 people trapped inside, of course, accurate numbers are impossible because uh, nobody has an exact count of who was where, who might have been walking around when the earthquake struck, how many employees were in which uh, building. It's been a very meticulous thing. It will just take a long time to iron it out. But it's definitely a tragic scene here at the San Fernando Veterans Hospital up in the hills of Silmar. Of course, no one uh, can really deserve this kind of disaster to fall upon them. But it seems that these veterans, men who have injured uh, themselves uh, in the service of their country uh, and gone through uh, quite a bit of ordeal already, it seems that these veterans perhaps deserve it even less. Below us now, because we're up on a hill overlooking the valley, most of the valley shining bright and clear in the night, except the city of San Fernando. Power blackout still in effect down there. 
The city of San Fernando is dark, almost in tribute to those who have died up here today. This is Bill Smith, Mobile 8-4 clear. Dick Spangler in Mobile 8-3. So what's the situation tonight? I see we have no lights as we're looking over the broken dam area. Well, we have a man down on the dam face itself with a radio-equipped car and a uh, field telephone. Uh, he's a volunteer, incidentally, and uh, he would, of course, give us the first warnings that we would need. That's Division Fire Chief Bob Ratke, and the situation is stable here as we look at the broken dam overlooking the area from the Odyssey restaurant. And from the scene, Dick Spangler, Mobile 83 clear. Thank you, Dick, for that live report. We have been noticing uh, the past hour uh, several aftershocks rocking our radio station here in the San Fernando Valley. I won't presume to tell you about my troubles because I know you have troubles and we're all digging out. You worked hard all day, haven't you? Trying to find glass to repair windows, trying to find drinking water, maybe even buying filters for your plumbing. And you have surveyed the damage cracks in the chimneys. Your prized china that is no more. And you've been in contact with everyone to whom you are close. And hopefully you've been listening to KGIL because this station is doing one hell of a job keeping you informed just as soon as any development occurs, and they will throughout the night. Of that, I can assure you. Just to be sure, I went out and bought more transistor batteries for my radio so I could stay in. Right on KGIL and Bill Smith and Southcott and Spangler and Culver and all the rest who have been uh, keeping you informed. What we shall do is provide some background music tonight. And, of course, for those of you who have lost a relative or a friend, our condolence. There really is no way to talk about the finite properties of man until something like this comes along, and then we are all made so aware of the infinitesimal wisp of smoke our lives really are. news about the dam. Hopefully that will hold until they can drain the balance of the water off. From KGIL 1260, news of import broadcast throughout the night. We invite you to stay tuned. We'll give you places where you may go for protection, where you may go for food. Stay tuned. KGIL 1260.